Okay, so this is a sensitive subject. The age-old argument. Is masturbation a sin? Let's get into it. We've got some difficult days ahead. I just want to do God's will. I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Shalom, 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 and welcome to another episode of Jacob Seed Podcast, where the diaspora speaks. The whole purpose of this podcast is to get uplifting, thought-provoking, encouraging content out to the African-American Semitic diaspora, or I should say the African Semitic diaspora all around the world. Um, Man, listen, it's been a while. Uh, It's been a while since I've been able to record uh, it's been a while. I just life's been just hectic and busy. But I thank all of you who continue to rock with me, who continue to follow this podcast, who continue to subscribe to this podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to this podcast. Um, it helps us out to continue to give you more episodes and uh, just like this one. Uh, listen, if you don't follow us on Instagram, go ahead and follow us on Instagram um, at Jacob C Twelve. That's at Jacob C Twelve on Instagram. And Jacob C Podcast on Facebook. I'll be honest with you, I'm not on Facebook that much. So uh, the best way to get in contact with me is through Instagram. Also, as you heard in the intro, we'll be talking about a sensitive subject of masturbation, both male and female. So if you have children in the room, um, you have not had that uh, talk with them yet. If you choose to move them out, that is um, that is permissible. I understand. Um also, yeah, uh, I use my uh, Martin Luther King intro because as of this recording, it is Martin Luther King's birthday. Um, a lot of us I know in this uh, way or the Hebrew uh, community don't really like Martin Luther King for whatever weird reason. Uh, but I will say uh, that um, although, yes, was he part of the boule more than likely, uh, obviously he was part of the Greek community, uh, but he did a whole lot um, in reshaping the idea of what it means to be a black man, to be a black person right here in the United States of America. Not just him, uh, but a lot of people in history um, that are famous for it, whether it be MLK, whether it be Malcolm X, whether it be Marcus Garvey. Um, and then there's uh, hundreds of people uh, who did um, amazing, amazing works um, to further uh, our people and the idea of our people and further the work of our people uh, that do not get enough recognition, in my opinion. But ultimately, um, the true leaders, I believe, in our community are those who are telling the, our people the truth that we should go back, as uh, Prophet Jeremiah say, back to the ancient paths, uh, back to following Torah as our ancestors have done. But uh, we're going to get right into this episode Um, I actually did a message at my assembly uh, maybe a few weeks ago just talking about the yoke of the Messiah. Um, And within that message, uh, we were talking about or I discussed the idea of purity, the idea of purity. So purity is not just a conversation that we should be having with our children, 
But purity is a conversation that we should be having with grownups as well, uh, because unfortunately that our people, especially here in the United States of America, I cannot speak for um, uh, Africans who were black brought to other parts of the world um, to work as slaves and their progeny. But I can speak of those right here in the United States because that's where I live. I believe that our community is extremely over-sexualized. Um, I believe that um, sex is not talked about enough. Sexuality is not talked about enough. Um, uh, and purity, for sure, is not talked about enough. I think we just uh, reserve that conversation for children, uh, whether they be preteens or teenagers, um, and then we don't talk about it anymore. And then we wonder why... Uh, so many people are confused when it comes to sexuality. So many people are um, just uh, lackadaisical when it comes to uh, purity. Purity is very important. All right. So if you're a grown up and you're listening to this and you've been promiscuous or uh, you're not a virgin, um, don't beat yourself up about it. Uh, if you still have if you still have breath in your lungs, the most high can still work on you. Uh, you can start your path to purity now. Now, I don't believe in the whole uh, on the Christian side of things where they say that you can become a uh, you can reclaim your virginity. And once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, but what you can do is from this point on, you can live a life that is celibate, a life that is holy uh, to the most high if you are not married. Um, and the emphasis is marriage, not if you got not if you're engaged, not if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, not if you have a friends with benefits, but sex and sexual acts are reserved for those who are married only. And the uh, the sages of old so the wise people of old, uh, as well as our Messiah, uh, as well as all those in um, in the book from Genesis all the way to Revelation had a high idea of purity. Um, they held it in high regards. Uh, pure in pure in thought, pure in mind, uh, and pure in your body, um, because even uh, Shaul or the Apostle Paul would say um, that sexual sin um, is of the of some of the worst because it's a sin against your body, and your body houses uh, the spirit of the Most High, um, and in having sexual sin, uh, you defile the temple. Um, so defiling your bodily temple uh, to the most high, to the Lord, is the same as uh, defiling the physical temple because now his spirit is supposed to dwell in you. But if we have sexual sin, then we defile that temple. So let's get right into it. So what I will say first is a lot of this information outside of just um, scripture, um, obviously the most high, we, we, you can go to the... Um, to his Sermon on the Mount, right? We call it the Beatitudes. Um, and I'm not going to go to it as, again, this, this uh, podcast challenges you. So you go to Matthew chapter 5, read from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7, um, all the things that Yeshua is talking about. And what he is doing is he's addressing issues in Torah and uh, he's, he's, he's bringing people to a higher standard of following um, those things. And one of those things he talks about is purity. So he says, uh, you have, as you have heard it said, that if you uh, sleep with another woman, that's not your wife, I'm paraphrasing, um, you have committed adultery. But I tell you that if you think about a woman in an impure way, that you have already committed adultery in your mind, you're guilty of that adultery. Um, and that's the same for that's the same for women as well. Um, so that's not just for men, although um, we know that the scriptures are tilted uh, toward men. But uh, women, you know, if you're thinking about another man in a sexual manner. That is not your husband. You are guilty of adultery already in your mind. 
Um, so it is as if you already committed the sin. Um, the sin has been committed in your mind. That's how highly they thought about it. Now, um, I will say that a lot of this information that I'm getting is out of the Talmud. Uh-oh, wait a minute. So a lot of y'all try to check out right there. Now, what I will say about the Talmud, does it have weird stuff in it? Absolutely it does. Um, does it have some things that are sketchy? Absolutely it does. Is it an evil book? Absolutely not. No book is inherently evil or, or good or bad. Um, it's how you use it. All right. Um, also, a lot of people out there say that the Talmud is written by these European converts. Uh, I've, uh, I'm reading this book called The 13th Tribe by Arthur Kessler. A lot of you have already read it. Um, and Arthur Kessler is a Ashkenazi Jew. Um, he is the one who um, has, has given us the truth that the Ashkenazi um, are, um, the majority of them are from a tribe called, or a place called Kazaria. Um, a lot of them get their progeny from a place called Kazaria, where they converted to Judaism. Um, this did not happen till the 8th century, all right? So that would be the 700 Common Era, or 700 CE, all right, or AD, in the time of our Lord, as they say. But the Talmud was written down, so the Talmud is just a whole bunch of different arguments about the Mishnah, which is considered the Oral Torah, so... Um, History, oral history tells us that when the Most High gave Moses the, the, the commandments on Mount Sinai, he wrote some down, then he told him some. So what he wrote down, he wrote down the actual command, and then he told him how to um, do the command. So he wrote down the what then and the why, and then he told Moses the how. Then Moses told Joshua, Joshua told this person, that person, so on and so forth, all the way down the line. Um, around the, um, let's see, I believe the fourth century, so that'd be 300, uh, common era, um, a rabbi by the name of Judah, the prince or Yahuda ben Hanasi, uh, he decided because of the growing, um, dispersion of Jews, the growing dispersion of Israelites, he wanted to write these things down in all these arguments, about the Mishnah so that every Israelite around the world could have something, could have it tangibly. Uh, because his fear was that as we move further and further away from Israel, uh, the more, the more we would lose our culture and forget the things that we were taught. How right he was. Uh, so what I'm saying is the first converts to Judaism, European converts to Judaism, wasn't until the 8th century, 700 CE. The Talmud was codified in the Fourth century, 300 CE. So that's five, about 500 years before any Jewish or, or any Israelite convert of European stock was ever converted. Our people, our people, the Hebrew people, uh, wrote down this Talmud. Now, I'm not saying that the Talmud is authoritative. Torah is authoritative. Yeshua is authoritative. But my thing with the Talmud is there's a lot of wise rabbis in there. There's a lot of wise teachers who give a lot of wise advice. So if there is advice to be gotten, I'm going to get it. If there's knowledge to be gotten, I'm going to get it. I'm not going to allow the biases of some camp leaders, some assembly leaders, some church leaders to sway me on what I can and can't read. See, that's the issue that I had in Christianity. 
which is why I left. Um, if you weren't, if you didn't agree 100% with the pastor, with the bishop, with the apostle, all of a sudden there was a problem. There was no room for free thinkers, okay? So you should be at a place where that um, if you uh, disagree with your leader, it should be okay. Y'all should uh, uh, agree, agree to disagree peacefully and still have fellowship with one another. So again, I'm not saying that you should go pick up a Talmud or download or whatever. If you never read it, don't want to read it, God bless you. Keep it pushing. If, if you're curious, I'm telling you, it's okay to do it. Um, but again, I will say it's not authority, it's not an authoritative book. Um, a lot of and that's the that's the problem with the Ashkenazi and the Sephardic and all these different uh, Jewish sects is that they make the Talmud authoritative, and that's Yeshua's issue with the Talmud. He said, you've made the traditions of men more authoritative, and I'm paraphrasing again, than the Torah itself. So now you've made the word of God of nothing because your traditions have trumped the word of God. And that's where the danger comes in. But um, again, there's a lot of wise teachings. And one of those teachings is about pleasuring yourself. Did our people believe that it was okay to pleasure yourself. So a lot of people's argument for doing it is number one, I'm single. I have nobody. Hormones are hormones and it's natural because that's what this world has taught us. And if anything that we've learned in this way is that the things that the world teaches us is not of God. Matter of fact, majority of it is the opposite of what the most high will be pleased with. Okay. Secondly, you may you may have a spouse, whether you have a husband or a wife who is not as sexually active as you would want them to be. So you think it's okay? Well, hey, I'm not cheating. I'm just, you know, I'm looking at this pornography site or um, I'm thinking about another person or I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just pleasuring myself because my spouse is not as sexually active I would as I would want them to be. Um, so that's your argument. So it's okay as long as I'm doing it to myself and nobody else is doing it to me. I'm not cheating. Uh, Yahshua would disagree. He would say that you are committing adultery, especially if you're thinking about someone else, especially if you're looking at pornography. Uh, but let's get into it. Uh, first of all, I, I want to show you that there are uh, instances uh, where Yahshua and the Talmud agree, and this is, this is definitely one of them. Um, so here, here are a few here. Hold on. Let me, let me pull this up. So in Matthew 5, 7, Yeshua said, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And the Talmud in, in, uh, in Sabbath 151b, uh, the rabbi Gamiel says, he who is merciful to others shall receive mercy from heaven. In Matthew 5, 37, Yeshua says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Uh, rabbi Abayi in Baha Mitzah 49a says, let your, eye, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Matthew chapter 7 verse 3 says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the beam that is in your own eye, Yahshua says. Um, and then let's see, this is Rabbi J uh, Janan, surname Bar-Nafa, um, and Baha Baratha 15b says, do they... Say, take the splinter out of your eye, he will retort, remove the beam out of your own eye. Um, Matthew 6.31, Yahshua says, don't be anxious, 
don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Um, in Sotha 48b by Rabbi Eleazar, it says, whoever has a piece of bread in his basket and says, what shall I eat tomorrow belongs, belongs only to them who are little in faith. Um, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Yeshua says that in Matthew 9.37. In a both 2.115, Rabbi Tarfan in the Talmud says, The day is short and the work is much, and the workmen are uh, uh, insolent, but the reward is much. And the master of the house is an assistant. Uh, just a couple more. Says um, Matthew 23.12 says, Whoever exalts himself to be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Yahshua, Matthew 23, 12. Uh, Rabbi Jeremiah um, in Baba Mitzah 85b says, he who humbles himself for the Torah in this world is magnified in the next. And he who makes himself a servant to the Torah in this world becomes free in the next. Um, and then uh, I'll do the last one. It says, uh, Matthew 5, 10, it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, and then Rabbi Abaha and Baba Kama 93a says, be, be rather of the persecuted than of the persecutors. All right. So those are a couple, couple times, a few times, and there's so much more, um, but where the Talmud and Yahshua agree. Um, and we're going to look at another instance where the Talmud and Yahshua agree. Um, and that's on the purity of mind and how seriously our ancestors took being pure in your mind and pure in your body. All right. So let's look at it. We're going to look at um, Neda 13b. Sections two through 11. And again, we're talking about self-pleasuring yourself. Is masturbation, is self-pleasuring, is pornography, all that stuff. Um, is it against the will of the most high for you? So let's get into it. Um, and there's some words I'm going to use. So one of the words you're going to hear a lot is Gemara. So in the Talmud, the Gemara are kind of like the student class. Um, so they would, they would make suggestions. They would explain some things. Um, as well as ask questions, okay? Um, so let's get right into it. It says, Rav says, one who uh, intentionally causes himself an erection shall be ostracized. Wow. The Gemara, or the student class, suggests, and let Rav say simply that it is prohibited, meaning you should not intentionally cause yourself an arousal. You should not intentionally arouse yourself, whether that's looking at something, listening to something, reading something, because a lot of times we think about just straight up pornography, but there's a lot of uh, these, uh, in the black culture, we had the Zane books, right? Recently, we have the 50 Shades of Grey, and uh, you have all these different, uh, different avenues that are outside of just straight up pornography um, that help people arouse themselves. And our sages, our ancestors said, it is prohibited. Don't do it. The Gemara explains that it is the Gemara explains that it is proper to ostracize such a man as he arouses the evil inclination upon himself. So, so intentionally causing yourself an erection or being aroused, they liken that to arousing your evil inclination. All right. And Rabbi Ami says 
He is called a habitual transgressor, as this is the craft of the evil inclination. Today, he says to a person, do this sin. And when the individual obeys his inclination, on the following day, the evil inclination says to him, do that sin. And on the following day, he says to him, go and worship idols. And he goes and worships idols. So their whole point is giving into your evil inclination, especially when it's talking about impurity and sexual sin. It's kind of like the gateway drug to all other sins. So it starts off with sexual sins. It ends with idolatrous worship. All right. Some say that Rabbi Me says, with regard to anyone who brings himself to a state of arousal, they do not bring him within the boundary of the Holy One, blessed be he. And they're talking about Yahuwah. So if you are in a habitual state of sexual sin, whether you're physically being adulterous, physically having fornication, um, or if it's in your mind, if you're arousing yourself, if you're touching yourself in ways you should not be touching yourself and no one else should be touching you unless you are married. Uh, he's saying that you cannot even come into the in contact with the most high. It says the proof is that it is written here, one with God, with Onan, son of Judah. So we remember what Onan did um, in the book of Genesis in the Torah. Um, he was told by his, his uh, father to um, procreate with his brother's wife because his brother had died. And we know the tradition is if your brother dies and his wife is still alive, you are to take on that wife. You are to impregnate that wife so that your brother's name could continue. All right. Um, and it says, and the thing that he did was evil in the eyes of the Lord and he slew him also. So we know that Onan, what he did was he would have um, sexual relations with his uh, sister-in-law, but he would pull out and allow his seed to um, die on the ground so not to impregnate her, all right? As it says also, as is written there, for you are not a God who has pleasure in wickedness. Evil shall not sojourn with you. So they see arousing yourself is evil. So intentionally arousing yourself is evil. The bolster shall not stand in your sight, but as for me, in the abundance of your kindness, will I come into your house? I will bow down towards your holy temple in fear of you. Psalms 5, chapter 5, verse 5 through 8. The dem this demonstrates that whoever does evil like Onan shall not sojourn with God. Further reading, it says, and Rabbi Eleazar says, with regard to the severity of this transgression, what is the meaning of that which is written? And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. When you make my many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 15. These are those men who commit adultery with the hand, they explain, by masturbating. Likewise, so masturbating is also seen by our ancestors as adultery. Likewise, the school of Rabbi Yishmael taught when it is stated in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. That's Exodus twenty thirteen. This means that there should not be adultery among you, whether you masturbate by hand or whether with one's foot. So they, they cancel all kind of avenues there. All right. And then the sages taught in a barita, converts who play with children, converts and those who play with children, 
delay the coming of Messiah. So not only are they discussing just masturbation and adultery and arousing yourself, they also condemn the pedophile. So they loop one who's an adulteress, who's a fornicator, who's a masturbator, who arouse, intentionally arouses themselves. They loop all that in. They see them the same way they see a pedophile. Wow. That's huge. That's big. That's, that's, that's how they thought about those people. You're no different than a pedophile. Again, the sages taught converts and those who play with children delay the coming of Messiah. The Gemara asked, granted with regard to converts, this is in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Hilbo. And Rabbi Hilbo says converts are harmful to the Israelite people as a leprous scab on the skin as they are not proficient in the performance of mitzvot or laws, statutes, commandments. And born Jews learn from them. But with regard to the category of those who play with children, to what is it referring? So he's saying that, you know, converts are dangerous because they bring their own cultures and habits into the assembly of the people. And again, our people have a long history of being the ones who are influenced by outsiders not realizing that we influence the world, but we continue to want to assimilate and be like somebody else. It's all through scripture. It's all through the prophets. When, when our ancestors looked at the other nations, they wanted to be like the other nations. I want to have a king. I want to have a guy that I can see, that I can touch. No different. If we say that this is referring to homosexuality, so let me go back to the last thing. It says, but with regard to the category of those who play with children, to what is it referring? It says, if we say this is referring to homosexuality, such men or women are liable to be executed by stoning. And their behavior is criticized not simply because they delayed the Messiah. Rather, one might suggest that this is referring to those who emit semen by way of their limbs, i.e., without engaging in intercourse. If so, they are considered as though they are bringing a flood and therefore are liable to be punished themselves with a flood. Wow. That's how tough they thought about pleasing yourself, that a flood should come upon you. And we all know about the, how they thought about the whole flood situation with Noah. This is the end of the world, all right? So it says the Mishnah teaches that with regard to any hand that is diligent to examine bodily emissions among men, such a hand should be severed. A dilemma was raised before the sages. Do we learn this statement as a particular halakha or a uh, uh, um, halakha just means your walk. So it's, it's, it's the law, right? So is this a particular law, i.e. that the court should actually sever his hand Or do we learn it as a mere curse, but not as an actual instruction to punish him in that manner? So I understand that. Listen, obviously reading it that way, there's a lot of people probably in there touching themselves because they're like so. So to paraphrase, they're saying to translate, they're saying, is this really a law? Does God really want us to cut off our hands if we're touching ourselves or is it more metaphorical? And we just get, you know, a slap on the wrist, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're just cursed, but we can keep our hands. All right. 
And the Gematria elaborates, do we learn this as a particular halakha or law, like that prohibition against striking another in which the same expression is used with regard to anyone who raises his hand upon another, his hand should be severed? And Rav Hana indeed acted accordingly and severed the hand of an offender. Shout out to that, shout out to that rabbi. Or perhaps do we learn it is a mere curse? Gemara suggests, come and hear as it is taught in Barita that Rabbi Tarfan says, if one hand goes to his penis, his hand should be severed upon his navel. The rabbi said to him, if so, in a case where a torn, where a thorn was stuck in one's belly, should he not remove it? Rabbi Tarfan said to him, indeed, he should not remove it. If he does so, his hand should be severed. The rabbi replied, but if his hand is severed while it is upon his navel, wouldn't his belly be split open? Isn't this crazy, these conversations they're just having about this? So that they, they discussed everything that had anything to do with Torah, all the way down to pleasuring yourself. We're scared of conversations like this. We run away from conversations like these. And these are the conversations that we should be having in our Torah classes. We should be having in our Bible studies. We should be having uh, when we're just with like-minded people. We should be discussing the scriptures and every single aspect of life that it impacts. And it impacts every single aspect of life if you are a believer in the scriptures. Rabbi Tarfan said to him, indeed, he should not remove it. And if he does so, his hand should be severed. The rabbi replies, but if his hand is severed while it is upon his navel, would it split his belly open? Rabbi Tarfan said, it is preferable that the belly of one who acts in this manner should be split open and he should not descend into the pit of destruction. Does that not sound familiar? The rabbi said, it is preferable that the belly of one who acts in this manner, so you trying to touch yourself, should be split open, and he, sh- and he should not descend into the pit of destruction. Yahshua said, and again, I'm paraphrasing, you find this in the Beatitudes or the, or the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. He said, it is better for you to enter into the kingdom or the world to come lame than to go down into Sheol. So Yahshua agreed. Let's keep let's keep digging. It says the Gemara analyzes this discussion. Granted, if you say that we learn the statement in the Mishnah as a practical halakha or law, this is the meaning of which the rabbi said. But if his hand is severed upon his navel, wouldn't his belly be split open? But if you say that we learn the statement in the Mishnah as a mere curse, what is the meaning of the phrase, won't his belly be split open? The Gemara responds, whether what explanation is the alternative? So they're still trying to get out of this because obviously they, they ain't rocking with what the rabbi is saying. It says that we learn the Mishnah is stating a practical halakha. That would not, that would not explain the exchange between the rabbis to Rabbi Tarfin, because it is not sufficient that the hand be severed, not upon the navel. In other words, even if the hand must actually be severed, is it not clear why it should be severed while it's upon the navel? Navel. It says rather this, rather this is what Rabbi Tarfin is saying. With regard to anyone who inserts his hand below his navel, his hand should be severed. 
The rabbi said to Rabbi Tarfan, if a thorn was stuck in one's belly, should he not remove it? Rabbi Tarfan said to them, he should not. And they responded, but, but won't this, his belly be split upon due to the thorn? Rabbi Tarfan said to them, it is preferable that his belly be split, upon, split open and he should not descend into the pit of destruction. My goodness. Again, Yahshua said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better that you go into the world to come lame. Lame. Than to go down into the pits of Sheol. So, in conclusion, Yahshua, the rabbis of his time, did they believe that masturbation Self-arousal, self-pleasuring was against the will of God. They absolutely did. Now, this is the challenge for us. In this over-sexualized world, how do we, especially if you're single or you have a spouse that's not as sexually engaging as you, how do you fight the evil inclination, as they say, the urges to arouse yourself or to pleasure yourself? I believe, number one, it starts with strong prayer. It starts with holding yourself accountable. It starts with letting other people know your vices and your weakness so they can hold you accountable. And last but certainly not least, we have to meditate on the word. Because the problem is, when we get into these situations, we don't open up our word and allow it to feed us. We open up Facebook. We open up, we open up Instagram and all these other different um, avenues um, that, you know, and all of a sudden some picture comes across or some dude in some tight muscle shirt or some woman in some bathing suit. And then all of a sudden uh, you find yourself on this slippery soap of sin. Remember, the sages, the rabbis of old in Yeshua's time, and some of those are before his time, liken someone who arouses themselves, masturbates or commit adultery the same as a pedophile. You delay the coming of Messiah because the whole idea of the coming of Messiah was that he's coming back for a pure bride. And we cannot be pure only just by going to Shabbat, only just by eating clean. Purity has to encompass every single aspect of our life. We have to be pure in our thoughts. We have to be pure uh, as far as the food that we eat. But we also have to be pure when it comes to sexuality. Okay. So in this way, yes, we, we do not condone, um, we, can, uh, we do not prohibit, I'm, I'm sorry, not prohibit, we, we, uh, we are against, I'm trying to say all these fancy words, we are against pleasuring yourself. That's what your spouse is for. We are against masturbation. You should be having sex with your spouse. It's this, once you become one body, you should not, uh, the thing is you're pleasuring yourself without, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's just a selfish act and it's improper. And we do not agree with homosexuality because that's not the way that the most high created humanity. He created humanity to procreate. So again, this is, uh, this is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, I don't know how it's going to be received, but I pray that, you know, if, um, I mean, if you're, if you're hearing this and, uh, it's helping you in some kind of way, uh, challenge you in some kind of way then i think i've done my job if you have an uh an addiction to pornography to uh, sex to whatever it is man listen reach out to someone that you love that you trust um who can help you um therapy 
It's good. Um, go to a therapist that um, understands, uh, whether it's a religious therapist or whatever it may be. Uh, but remember that the things that we're taught in this world that are normal usually are against the very will of the God that we say we love. So we have to we have to do better to challenge ourselves to do better. And knowing that walking in this way, it ain't easy, especially in a world that that lifts up everything against this way and tells us it's okay. So my brother, that's all I have for uh, this week. Again, I thank you guys for tuning in. Um, If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. I thank you. I love you. I pray that peace and shalom uh, pursues you all the days of your life. As always, keep it 98 plus two. Seek the truth, live it out and inform others. Shalom. Thank you.